Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat businessman Rush Darwish, Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus from the University of Chicago, and John Allen Williams, Professor Emeritus from Loyola University, Chicago, who joins us from his home in Macon, Georgia. They are both now retired, and our program tonight coming to you from my own base at AM 560, The Answer, WYND. That is in Chicago. That's the Salem station for Chicago, and our phone lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. Rush Darwish is the Democrat. He's in studio with me. The other guests are joining us uh, uh, via Zoom tonight, and uh, I want to begin with uh, the president's uh, big trip to NATO last week, and uh, I want to start by asking our professors uh, to uh, to give him a grade, and we'll start with uh, John L. Williams in Macon, Georgia. Go ahead, John. What grade would you give the president? Well, I thought, well, I'd give him a B plus, A minus, perhaps. Uh, I think the right decisions were made. I think it's too early to uh, uh, give firm dates for admission to NATO. Eventually, they need to be let in. It was a mistake to promise it and not do it back, uh, you know, in two thousand eight. But uh, it, now I think they need to be in NATO. But we, if they go in now, then they have a veto on things NATO does. I mm-hmm. think for now it's better to have them out making us happy, so we'll let them in rather than uh, have them in NATO right now. And we have to make them happy because NATO is, operates on unanimity. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago, also uh, emeritus. Charles, nice to have you with us. What grade would you give the president? I would give him the same grade that uh, Jay gave him, um, <clears throat> and for the same reasons. I would add uh, one positive and, and one slightly negative point. The positive point is uh, that uh, uh, President Biden has really done a fine job in keeping NATO together and keeping everybody in, um, on the same uh, footing. Uh, the, the negative point is that I think... Um, uh, for good reasons, he has been very slow to give Ukraine uh, the weapons it actually needs to win the war. He's never really said he wants Ukraine to win. He's talked at times about Russia losing, but uh, I think that uh, we need long we we need more airplanes for Ukraine. We need longer range. Um, uh, attack them uh, weapons, and I completely agree with. Uh, uh, John Allen Williams, that it would be a mi- mistake to let uh, uh, Ukraine into NATO now, but it was a mistake to promise it uh, long ago and then uh, sort of induce the uh, the Russians to take actions. Rush Darwish, you're a card-carrying Democrat. I don't want to challenge these professors <laughs> because they both go, you know, teachers, professors at, at high-powered universities, but my grade is going to be incomplete. Uh, The idea that historically the United States has dumped money into many countries, uh, hoping that we're going to give you weapons, we're going to give you resources, and uh, that's going to help the ultimate objective. And in this case, uh, I think it's too early to really tell what this all means. Uh, But historically, if you look at the wars that America has assisted, whether it's assisting uh, Iraq or assisting uh, Afghanistan, uh, you look at historically where America tries to get involved, 
overall, they've been very unsuccessful. So I'm not sold right now. Um, today, or when you look at that five-day trip, you might look at it and say, yeah, this was a, a great trip. It looks like Biden is uniting everyone. But ultimately, if you look into the future, you will know that the United States is usually, usually very unsuccessful when they fund other people's wars. John Williams, your reaction? Well, of course, you, you, I think Ukraine is a special case. The other, it is much more important to us strategically to have Russia contained than it is to do something in Afghanistan or, or Iraq. Those were a terrible mistake. Uh, I think in the case of Ukraine, they are demonstrating that they are using the, the weapons that we are giving them effectively. Uh, and it, in a sense, they've become sort of candidate members to NATO because they're working with us and they're moving to NATO standards in their equipment and their procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're they're getting up to up to speed in a way that Iraq or Afghanistan just and Vietnam, goodness knows, never could. Was it a mistake for Zelensky, Zelensky to, to show up there, uh, uh, Charles? Because he, seemed, he seems to kind of uh, showboat it a little bit, and I wonder how the other members of uh, NATO feel about him showing up, uh, trying to get some muscling his way into some of the conferences. I thought it was fine for him to show up. I thought what the mistake was to sound grumpy about uh, mm-hmm. not getting as much as he, he needs. We've given him quite a lot. Uh, the main, his main public uh, stance should have been one of complete gratitude, and uh, but I can understand his people are dying, and in fact, that's one of the big differences in some of these cases that I would go back and and point uh, out to Rush. I agree with John Allen Williams that uh, this is a strategically important uh, location in Ukraine, but it's also a case where we have a really almost total commitment of the population and the government. What if it's it, our what, own government? It's our own government that's a question going forward, not because of Biden, but right. because of what Trump and a number of Republicans have said. What if Ukraine wins? First of all, John, how would you define winning and what would what would winning mean for us? Well, it, what Ukraine says, winning, is getting back every inch of Ukrainian territory that the Russians uh, occupied uh, since 2014 when they took Crimea. Uh, that would be my, uh, I would say that's more like what wishful thinking in terms of Crimea in particular, but, you know, what, what can, we'll see what happens. But I think, in a sense, Ukraine has already won in the sense that they are going to be a serious actor. They are independent. They're going to have by far most of their territory. And Russia is going to be an international pariah from now until, you know, you know, how long? A long time. So we, Russia has been weakened. NATO has been strengthened. And I give, by the way, I give President Biden credit for, for all of this. Uh, he, he played his cards very well. And he's also been cautious, which is a good idea. Because let me, one let of me, the ponderables is... Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. No. Uh, here's the uh, the difficulty with uh, with what John is is laying out, and I think he's laid out uh, quite well. The fact is, it's going to be very difficult for Ukraine to reclaim Crimea. It may be very difficult to reclaim all of the Donbass region, mm-hmm. but without mm-hmm. them, Ukraine is not a stable polity, and rebuilding it 
with Russia looming uh, over it and potentially controlling uh, the lanes of uh, the Black Sea lanes into ports like Odessa is a real problem. You have to think about rebuilding in the same way we helped rebuild Europe after World War II. You can only do that if you have a stable peace. Okay. Well, I agree with that, Charles. But I think the most likely thing is going to be an it's going to be an armistice, and then uh, like Korea for years. Okay. We'll talk more about that when we come back on the other side. One eight hundred. 723-8289. We're uh, fighting, uh, supporting uh, uh, Ukraine. A lot of people think that they're not as democratic as we would like them to be. We'll talk about that when we come back as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I mean, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
Bruce Dumont back in Chicago and Rush Darwish uh, before the break. You wanted to make a point, and uh, then we'll carry on. Well, if you look at the history of the United States and their relationship with Russia, and we have to be fair to ourselves, Russia is nothing more the Soviet Union compared in the 70s and 80s. But the United States, historically, when they try to take on Russia indirectly, they have failed. In the late 70s, early 80s, uh, they supported a group called the Mujahideen out of Afghanistan. The Mujahideen was led by Osama bin Laden. And they supported Osama bin Laden based on the idea that they don't want Russia to come in into Afghanistan to spread their, their vision, their ideology, and also the United States and Vietnam. Same situation. I want to make it clear. Times have changed dramatically. And on paper today, I agree with the professors. Everything points that uh, Ukraine is on path to victory. But at the end of the day, we don't know what that looks like, how long it's going to be. And there's going to come a point, no matter who the president is, how much money, how much taxpayer American dollars are we going to keep dumping into Ukraine? Is it going to be six months, a year, 10 years? And that worries me and that concerns me. And as we speak today, we can say that President Biden is doing a great job and he had a great five days in Europe. But ultimately, I am concerned. I am not sold that this is the right decision. Charles Lipson, your reaction. How long is too long? I think that uh, the war itself has to probably, uh, U.S. support for it, will fade over the next two years. And everything really hinges on how much uh, Ukraine can accomplish during that time. That's the reason it's uh, so troubling that uh, Biden and his national security team, led by Jake Sullivan, uh, have been so slow and weak about supplying uh, the jets and long-range uh, ammunition uh, that that they need. I do think that they were right to supply uh, the cluster bombs because those are the only way to clear out the trenches. But and the reservations against the cluster bombs are that they can explode. Uh, and harm innocent civilians mm -hmm. later. The pro the point that's a that's a reasonable concern. The problem is those lands are absolutely covered with landmines and unexploded shells and everything, and that will all have to be cleared. And this is just one more. Plus our uh, our shells tend to actually explode. It's a, the Russian ones that that don't. A growing a growing message in this uh, in this campaign this war is that if you look at Ukraine, uh, it isn't very democratic. There's a growing number of Republicans, not just Tucker Carlson, that are questioning and saying, look at this country. We're pouring everything into this country. We think that this guy, you know, he's, he's carrying himself like a showman. Maybe he is the George Washington of Ukraine right now. But look at him. He is not a true Democrat. And when we look at what, what is happening in that country, there is a lot of to be desired. John Allen Williams, uh, what do you say to those well, folks? Uh, of course, that's true. I mean, both Russia and Ukraine have what, Soviet background, and there's still some Soviet uh, hangovers in both of those places. But we're not dumping money in Ukraine. We're investing money in Ukraine, and they are doing the fighting and the dying, and they are containing Russia. <coughs> it's a fairly small investment to get the result that we have in terms of Russia and strengthening NATO. Now, as to their being democratic, this is another reason to not yet uh, admit them into NATO because one of some of the NATO requirements involve 
uh, governing structures and, and you know democratic procedures and, and that sort of thing and so this would be one way to inspire them to do that rather than give it to them now Critics, but our strategic interests our strategic interests there uh, are not in uh, Ukraine being a democracy. Our strategic interest is in containing Russia's threat uh, to all of Europe, and that is what we are doing. And then in the aftermath of the war, we should push hard for a democracy. And it's hard to know uh, how successful we'll be. Remember, we allied with the Soviet Union against the Nazis. You have to make hard choices. We, we have to go to war with the allies we have, not the allies we want. Now, Vladimir Putin has said repeatedly that there are Nazis in the government, the Ukraine government. Uh, some critics have said that's the case, including Tucker Carlson, I might add. Uh, is that true? Are there Nazis involved in higher echelon workings of Ukraine? Professor, either professor, jump in with that one. Well, John, you know, wow. they do have some very right-wing people who are in the Hazloff Battalion and other places. It's not been demonstrated that there's any kind of uh, people like that in higher levels there. And, and the fact that Tucker Carlson says something would make me want to not believe it rather than believe it. It's also the case that uh, uh, that a number of Russian uh, soldiers who've gone in high level have come back and reported it was all false. Um, that yeah. the idea that it was a, a, a Nazi-dominated country or a fascist country is not correct. Mm -hmm. It's not to say, I think that there are two problems. One is it's not fully democratic. The other is that there's still a lot of corruption to be uh, cleaned out. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. It, it definitely yeah. comes down to corruption. And once again, we have to look at history. When Iraq was, when America supported Iraq in the 80s against Iran, it was Saddam Hussein. And they gave Saddam Hussein and his army millions of dollars of weapon to defeat Iran. What ended up happening about 10 years later? Now we are fighting Saddam Hussein in the Gulf War. Same thing for Osama bin Laden. And now I'm not, again, I want to be clear, we do not have the facts that tell us to say that Zelensky or Ukraine is going to turn on America. But how many times has the United States, including Syria, where we arm or give or supply uh, a country with weapons or an army or military with weapons and it just backfires on us? You'll have to forgive me, guys, for just looking at our how, history how big, and realizing that. How uh, big a position us. within the Democratic Party uh, would you say your position is, uh, Rush? I don't, I don't have the polling on that. I, I come speaking from what I think is right. I'm talking about right. the issue of foreign policy. And, you know, as much as I come here as a Democrat, I can't really tell you if this is something that all Democrats agree with or not. I will say that we invest billions of dollars on foreign policy, but we do not invest the same when it comes to our, our homeland. We have schools that are busted up. We have teachers and cops that are underpaid. And I'm not saying completely just, you know, completely dissolve our foreign policy relations. That's what makes us a superpower. But at the end of the day, we have to think about areas to maybe help ourselves and help this country here, the United States, versus us getting involved in so many wars that has really not been beneficial for us in many cases. That certainly, well, we I think, is a pop. I think that certainly is a popular position 
in the Republican Party? And it's a good question to find out how widespread it is uh, on the other side of the aisle. Well, po- we polling, really know that yet. Polling shows, Bruce, polling shows that sadly and unbelievably that the United States, the voters, don't necessarily care too much about foreign policy. It's not whether they like it or not. They care about it at times. But recently, the American public is more interested in what's happening in the United States. It's not Republican or Democrat. So my point here is not based on me speaking from a Democratic standpoint. It's mm-hmm. about everyday Americans who are looking at our, the, the, our, our foreign relations abroad. And a lot of times, I hate to say it, voters are falling asleep. They don't understand. It's complicated. And they don't understand where we're involved and where we're putting our money. And they really also don't understand, sadly, that it's their taxpayers that are, that are going overseas. John Allen Williams, response. Well, we have to do something now. We don't have the luxury of knowing how it's going to turn out. But I, I think Russia is absolutely right about these other examples being a cautionary tale. But let's be very clear. We're not giving money in Ukraine because we love Ukraine necessarily. We're doing it for our national interest. And it happens to be aligned with Ukraine right now. And Ukraine is willing to put their bodies and their, their, their national existence on the line to, to combat Russia. Everybody in NATO appreciates that. Everything we, we do. Situation, mm-hmm. Everything we do. And forgive ahead, me, Professor, I, I apologize for interrupting you. Everything the United States has done historically when it comes to foreign policy is always going to be on behalf of the American interest, what is best for America. And yes, many times we have given weapons for other soldiers to fight that are not U.S. soldiers, and that is much better, no doubt, much, much better than sending our troops. But still, we're always going to do what's best for the United States. I, well, I, I hope we continue agree. to do that, and they should, they should bear in mind your cautions. But, but, but really, we can't... We can't say that because of these objections you raise, we need to stop. We actually have to make a decision now about what we're going to do. Charles, you want to comment? No, I, th- I, I think this is a debate that more and more Americans are going to have. I think that if uh, the president of the United States were not a Democrat who was doing this, you would see a lot more opposition within the Democratic Party. You already see it. Mm-hmm. And and within the Republican Party, it goes back years and years to Robert Taft, Mr. Republican, who was defeated uh, by Dwight D. Eisenhower for the nomination in 1952. There was, there's always been an isolationist uh, wing. It's, and there's a reason for it. Uh, the, uh, a lot of the major European powers, which could pay for a lot of this and whose stakes are very high, are willing to let the United States pay, and Canada has also been willing to do that. But fortunately, Poland, the Baltic states, now Scandinavia and so forth, see their interests there, and there will be an interest in stabilizing and creating a democracy in Ukraine after this war. Ten seconds, Rush. I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, Bruce, let's phrase a question for our next segment, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. There is a chance that President Donald Trump will be our next president. He's been been a Putin supporter from day one of his presidency. How does that look if he becomes president with Ukraine? And I want to talk about how, yeah, how does it change, uh, you know, the the future of Ukraine, at least in the next, uh, you know, 12 months. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago on Beyond the Beltway.
Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce Dumont back. I'm Beyond the Beltway. Nice to have you with us. By the way, if you uh, watch or have heard of Maria Bartiroma, uh, she has the program on Fox Business and today she had the first of a two-part interview with President Trump, former President Trump. And again, if you're a Trump fan and you have not seen that, look it up on YouTube. It's a good, uh, it was a very good one-hour, good give and take uh, with the former president. And uh, he was feisty, but also he came up with some new ideas that I think you might uh, be interested in hearing. And I want to talk about that. But first of all, I want to introduce all of our guests or let them introduce themselves. Charles Lipset, give us a little background on yourself. Um, I'm originally from Mississippi. Uh, 
and uh, came east uh, to go to school and get a PhD. But I've been in Chicago for many years, and I've been on Beyond the Beltway with you, Bruce, uh, uh, for years and years and had such fun doing it. Now I write columns uh, for Real Clear Politics, uh, Spectator World, and, and others. You can get those columns at charleslipson.com. And you are a prodigious writer. You have lots of opinions. You don't leave any of them unstated, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> By the way, something that you may not know, Charles, because I think you probably believe that you've been on this program longer than anybody else as a guest. But I'll tell you something. John Allen Williams has you beat. John, give him, give him the truth. We go back, we go well, back at, no, least I'm, I'm... For at least 40 years. At least, oh, as a oh, guest absolutely. on this program, you had yes, you had uh, you had a lot of hair, and it was all dark yes. when you started. Yeah, I was, and thinner, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not the hair, me. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm a long-term time friend of uh, of you, Bruce, and your program, and uh, of, of course, Charles and I go way back. We've done a lot of things together, and I, I even when those uh, rare occasions when I disagree with Charles, uh, he's wrong for smart reasons. And uh, you're not seeing a lot of daylight between us tonight because on these issues we're as one. But I retired as a political science professor at Loyola University I, uh, after 39 years there. Uh, I also maintained a, a position in the U.S. Navy Reserve. I retired as the grade of captain uh, back uh, many years ago. Um, and uh, uh, that actually informed my uh, work because the work I do is in U.S. and international security policy and mm -hmm. having some firsthand experience in the Pentagon uh, as a part-time uh, uh, sailor there has meant a lot in terms of what I, what I think I know about. And also you have a uh, book out, sixth edition, called U.S. National Security. Tell us about that. Well, not, nice segue there, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> This was a book that began many years ago with the late and very great Sam Sarkeesian, who was also a friend of you and your program, mm -hmm. as we were just discussing. Right. Uh, and uh, about the third edition, uh, Sam brought on uh, me and Steve Simbala, who is a, a wonderful and very well-known national security scholar now at uh, Penn State, uh, Delaware County campus, uh, to, to, to work on it. And it, it puts U.S. national security policy in a, a broader perspective, historical, uh, how it, the different organizations relate to one another, what are the political implications, uh, how do they, what about the intelligence agencies, State Department, how do they all fit into U.S. national security. So uh, it, is a, it is a textbook, but it's written so in, any intelligent lay reader could, uh, could find it accessible, and I would hope interesting. Okay. Rush Darwish, tell us about yourself. Thank you, Bruce. Rush Darwish, president of the Arab American Business and Professional Association. Uh, we have a business center that helps everyday Americans open a small business. I'm also the chairman of the Refugee Life Foundation. I own a production company. Uh, we do media content, uh, a range of media content. And you know what, Bruce? I rarely share this because when you run for office, I ran for United States Congress in 2020, and I lost my tail off. Um, and because of that, because I lost, I don't, I don't really like to 
come out and say, hey, I ran for Congress, but I think I need to say it more often. Yes. I ran because I was mad. I was the everyday person who, at the time, Donald Trump scared me. Um, I was scared of where our, our country was heading. So, yes, I decided on behalf of the Arab American, the Palestinian American community, to run for office. And, and I've stayed very active in the political arena. And one of the great things I enjoy doing more than anything is coming right here on Beyond the Beltway. Okay. Well, I think can I been, ask you a question? I think, you've been, I think you've been on the show now for about five, four or five years. Now. I mean, I'm not on the in the Hall of Fame just well, yet, but, but you're, we're you're like the professors. <laughs> but yeah, we're getting there. Rush, Charles, go Rush, ahead. what did you learn? Rush, can I ask you? You went door to door. You talked to a lot of people. When you came out of the campaign, what did you learn that you didn't know going in? Yeah, and it's nothing sexy. I think really what you learn is the analytics of the race that you're going into. You have to know um, who your opponents are, which I did, of course, but you also have to know the muscle that you have and the muscle they have in terms of the coalitions that support them in the previous campaign. Um, I think it's really more of the behind-the-scenes politics. You now have a more keen understanding, if you ever want to run again, like know the dynamics of the race and the real the crunching in the numbers of where you're going to get your votes from. Again, we did that homework, but we went, we went in with more of what I call that maverick attitude. I have no regrets, but I would say that's the big one. Also, at the end of the day, money does talk. And the biggest misconception, especially when you're running for a larger office like a congressional race, yes, of course, knocking on doors is important. But it's also a lie because you need a lot of money and you have to be on TV and you need to have a mailer campaign. You need millions of dollars and you don't just need endorsements. Endorsements is fluff. You need money from uh, high, high stakes individuals. You need the union support. You need a coalition of what I call money support. Money is the name of the game. And anyone who tells you, no, it's about knocking doors, they're just people who are no. trying to sound cool and trendy. Right. <laughs> John Williams, we said, before the break, we, uh, the name of Donald Trump came up. Uh, because the question is, as he is becoming more isolationist in his views, although they were isolationist in 2016, um, my question to you is, um, how are the leaders of NATO and Putin and Zelensky, how were they uh, planning and plotting for the American electorate to vote? What do they? They obviously have a lot riding on it, but uh, are they just? Uh, are they standing by waiting for the the American people to decide uh, what future they want, or are they going to keep marching in their own drums right now? Well, let me put a broader context on this. First, I don't think Donald Trump Donald Trump has opinions so much as he has positions that he uses to deploys for political advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I had difficulty writing the presidential uh, chapter because uh, I frankly have strong opinions on this, but uh, he was right on a lot of things. You know, NATO allies don't spend as much money as they should for their own defense. And they, he was quite right about that, among other things. But as to their positions now, Zelensky, of course, was indirectly the cause of Trump's first impeachment because Trump was trying to shake him down to do something uh, to make Hunter Biden look bad uh, in, re in return for a, a visit to the White House. But, 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 Zelensky, but, but Zelensky said he didn't feel shaken down. Well, of course he did. Uh, you know, he had to say that. Uh, okay. Uh, he, so you he, think he lied? Yeah. 
I, I think, oh, well, I think he was being diplomatic, as he can be, as he was not before mm -hmm. the NATO meeting. Charles is right about that. I think Putin would be ecstatic if Trump were to be reelected, because you had Trump go to Helsinki and kowtow to, to, uh, to uh, uh, Putin, and Biden goes to Helsinki to confront Putin night and day. Trump was musing about, well, we should, what did NATO do? What do these people do for us lately? Uh, I joked once that our NATO allies are always with us, always with us when they need us. <laughs> but uh, uh, still, it's, it's a very strong alliance. It's outlived its original purpose and, and rediscovered it. Uh, Biden has strengthened NATO, and that's a very important thing. And he's strengthened you know, the alliance. And, you know, who could is, have expected this? Is Sweden NATO, though, even, even, join. even though with, with Donald Trump out of the picture for the last several years, uh, has, has the NATO alliance and its individual members, have they continued to pay, I believe, uh, you know, 2% of their gross national product uh, to, to their own defense? Or are there people out there, countries out there that are... Uh, uh, you know, uh, pikers, and, and that's what Donald Trump uh, seemed to dislike the most. Charles, can you weigh in on that? Do you know the any of the facts on this yeah. case? Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I think there are only seven countries that are right now uh, meeting the, the NATO uh, minimum, uh, and there's a lot of free riding. I would say that NATO is now divided really into two groups. One are the group uh, of of countries that were formerly in the Warsaw Pact or under Soviet control. Mm -hmm. And they're right up against uh, uh, the, the Russian threat. And uh, the Scandinavian countries, Finland and Sweden, which had long uh, history of neutrality, who have now come into NATO. So those are all on one side. They have robust military budgets, and they're increasing. The others are Germany, France, and so forth, um, Canada, who Canada. are way behind. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada, right. I would say Britain has been very strong in this. Let me, let me just add one Who's point. the weakest link of, the, of, those, of those big five? Who's the weakest link? Or is the well, France is always, always the weakest link. The story uh, is uh, going to war without France is kind of like World War II. Um, but the 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 the, uh, the problem really is that we face the immediate threat of Russia in Europe, but our really long-term threat and the biggest threat is China and the Asia Pacific, and it's unclear to me uh, what uh, Biden wants to do really because he's cut real defense spending. It's unclear what Trump wants. To when do. we when we come back, we're, we've got a caller that wants to take the discussion in that area, and uh, you have set it up perfectly. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight from coast to coast and border to border on Beyond the Beltway. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. 
That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. Bruce Dumont back. I'd be out of the Beltway. And uh, mark your calendars because... One year from yesterday, the Republicans are going to gather in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to nominate a president of the United States, at least one that he would like to be president. And uh, we've got a year year to, uh, to a countdown on that. Let's head to calls. Brian is listening to us in the beautiful city of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, good evening. Hi. Uh, it's been... It's been said that when a hot war breaks out, all the other major militaries of the world go to grad school and watch everything that happens very closely. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the communist Chinese are watching this like a hawk. And so Western resolve and American resolve is on full display. And we want the Chinese to know that we're not going to put up with any of their monkey business, obviously. And then uh, I also wanted to point out that this money we're giving Ukraine, a lot of that money is going to get spent buying American ammunition that's manufactured in the United States, so it's kind of a jobs program for America. And then also, 
you, you hear a lot of conservative media, a lot of talk about expanding and improving the American military to confront the Chinese Navy and the Chinese Air Force. So, of course, that's going to take a lot of money. And I, I wanted to point out that our trading relationship with China, in my opinion, has been very flawed and in many ways an absolute failure. But, of course, the big boys on Wall Street made out like bandits. The investor class of America has made a fortune off of trade with China. Okay, Brian, let, let me just interrupt. Let me just interrupt because you've you've touched on about five or six different issues here, all good issues. Let's focus on uh, one of them at a time. We're going to start with uh, with Charles Lipson on this one. Uh, Charles, what about the the Chinese are watching what's happening? In your mind, what lesson are they seeing unfold right now? I think the first thing that they will learn is that the risks of uh, an invasion of Taiwan are much higher than they may have uh, thought previously. It's the hardest thing. John John Allen Williams can tell you uh, an amphibious invasion is the hardest thing in uh, in in any for any military to accomplish. But uh, if you do it you bet the regime on it and that's what putin has done i mean he may survive but he will survive as a much diminished character so i think that's the first thing the second thing is that the taiwanese need to spend a lot more on their own defense they need to have uh and they haven't done it uh, i'm going to taiwan in a couple of months uh and i will be talking with them uh, about these issues but i think that those are the uh, the two uh, biggest, uh, the two biggest issues. Now, I must say, on these issues, I do think once again, Joe Biden has done uh, a very good job in talking. In fact, he's gone further than previous U.S. presidents in talking about how we are committed to defending Taiwan. Okay. I really don't know what Trump's position is. Let's find. Let's. Uh, by the way, let me just say, when you're in Taiwan, if you're there on a Sunday night, mm-hmm. give us a call. We would love to have you and maybe a guest who speaks English as a guest with us on that show. It would be good to, to, to hear right from uh, from Taiwan. Let me go to you, John. Um, what is your answer to the same question about what lessons are the Chinese learning from our conduct of uh, the war in uh, Ukraine with Russia? Yeah, well, as, as usual, I agree completely with what Charles had just said. Uh, the fact that it would be difficult to uh, capture Taiwan is becoming more apparent to them. Uh, Biden has moved away from our traditional policy of strategic ambiguity that, you know, you try it and be surprised at what we're going to do. But they saw from the uh, our response, a very powerful response to Ukraine, uh, that uh, uh, we're likely not to sit, stand by and w- watch it happen. But if the Chinese do it, they are going to precede that amphibious uh, attack with a bombing campaign like you've never seen before, uh, or at least not since World War II. They're going to bomb everything except the National Palace Museum and the semiconductor factory. Uh, they don't care. And But the problem, the bigger problem is, as Charles pointed out, the Taiwanese, unlike the Ukrainians, are not adequately concerned about their own defense. It's not just that they are not spending enough, but they are not volunteering for the military enough. They do not seem to take seriously the possibility that they might have to fight. And that's that's a problem. Do they we, have an army? One more, one more thing. Sure they do. One more. Yeah. 
No, but how, one more what thing. Sort of quality, what, just, what sort of quality army do they have? Either one, Charles. Well, well, John would be better. Okay, John. Well, the the, the, the forces they have you now are quite good. They're having they have training, but they haven't had the kind of training that they're going to need to stop the to stop the uh, the Chinese from taking over. And they're they're not given. There's not popular support for rearmament. But Brian, uh, our, our caller, raised a great question about economic ties. And if there was a bombing campaign like that against Taiwan, I think it would, uh, by, the, uh, by the communist Chinese, I think it would be impossible uh, for uh, U.S. corporations and Euro maybe European ones as well to continue doing business in China. They would put their entire international economic position at risk and they know it and yes. that's an important element yes. final point uh nato has been far better at deterrence than it it hasn't had to fight many wars uh this is really in a way the first one we need to establish deterrence in the asia who Pacific. would who that's, would be who would be on our side if china decided to invade uh taiwan what other countries would be on our side in fighting China? Well, I By the way, that's, that's the question. We do have to pause for break right now, but I want to ask all of our guests this because I would like an answer. And the other question that I want to talk about is where would the American people be? Uh, is this a war that would require troops on the ground? And if so, are the Americans ready to fight for Taiwan and semiconductors? Do they understand it? And is it important? And is it truly in our national interest? Is it more in our national interest than Ukraine? I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. 
To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. From Chicago, Illinois, this is Bruce Dumont. Actually, it's Elk Grove Village, Illinois, but we're just a, a stone's throw from Chicago. And it's nice to have you with us on Beyond the Beltway from coast to coast and border to border and around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. If you're listening to this program on America's great news talk radio stations, it's nice to have you with us. But also keep in mind that there's a television version on YouTube and there's also Facebook.live if you want to enjoy the video portion of the show, which uh, some people do and some people do not. Other people love to watch it the next day and or listen to it the next day on Spotify, whatever it is. It's nice to have you with us this evening. And John Allen Williams continues to join us. He is a professor emeritus from Loyola University of Chicago. He joins us from his home in Macon, Georgia. And Charles Lipson, who's a University of Chicago professor, political science professor emeritus, he joins us from his palatial home in Hyde Park, Chicago. Neighborhood and Rush Darwish, who's a Democratic businessman, he joins us. Uh, in studio. Before the break, I talked about uh, China and whether or not the defense, uh, the United States pledged to defend Taiwan, where will that lead us in the future and, and what the leader of China is, is learning from uh, our conduct of uh, the war in Ukraine. And uh, Rush Darwish, you wanted to make some points uh, during the break, and so we'll let you start the segment uh, with your comments. Yeah, anything that deals with China and war scares me on on many fronts. When we think about Taiwan, and, and as it's been mentioned before, we really don't know much about them. Their military, um, their ability to fight a war, but I will tell you this, China will really hurt them. And if the United States gets involved, the big fear is this. Can you imagine the devastation if somehow, some way, United States and China engage in an actual combat war between the two because of Taiwan? That scares me. I think at the end of the day, both countries are constantly gathering intelligence about one another. It wasn't just with Ukraine. They've been gathering intelligence for decades. So this comes down to an economic war. And if it ever had to come down to it, it would see who has the economic fitness. And it would be embargoes. It would be boycotts. Uh, upon one another, 
and they would hurt each other economically. And the real question would be, which country has the economic force to stay alive without the other? And I think that's what it would come down to. Nobody will win. Everyone will lose. And I think both countries are fully aware of that. To our two college professors who have heard that comment, let me ask you the question. Do either of you feel that a, a, a boots-on-the-ground physical war with China is going to happen? Speak up. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to involve boots on the ground. There's a lot of things that we would do short of sending American troops over there. But would there be a military action? I guess my question is, do do you believe that there would be a military action? Well, they might, and I'm not sure that's a good idea. Uh, I like the policy of strategic ambiguity. We weren't committed at anything. And if the Taiwanese don't decide to pony up for their own defense, then that's really kind of sad. I'd hate to see them go. But uh, uh, the China is really determined on this. And I think if we intervene militarily, we better be prepared to do so decisively and be aware of what kind of problems could arise. Charles, your response. Well, uh, the, first of all, I don't think there would be American support for boots on the ground uh, in Taiwan. And it would, since China uh, considers it an integral part of China, and since the Taiwanese actually agree with that, and since that is U.S. policy, it would constitute, from the Chinese point of view, an invasion by U.S. uh, troops. The reason for strategic ambiguity was to partly uh, to to keep uh, the Taiwanese themselves cautious, to not have them declare independence. But I think that the real uh, fear now is a Chinese invasion, and I think our main response to that has to be a buildup of the Navy, something that I'm sure is dear to John's heart. What would that mean, John? Charles, well, Charles, you've never been so wise as, as just now. Uh, <laughs> we, we really the check's in the mail, John. No. The check's in the mail. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll send you a book, Charlie. <laughs> Charles, give me the address. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the Navy is really important for you projecting power far from your shores. But, you know, Taiwan is just several kilometers from the shore of China. And you're not going to be able to... Uh, deter them unless they think that they would have very great difficulty carrying out that invasion, because a lot of people are going to want to do it. Now, President Xi has been weakened. Uh, The Chinese economy is not as robust as it might be, but they are making political inroads all over the world with governments, including even Canadian government has had uh, Chinese attempts to influence them. And then they're already over Africa and South America. So they're France. They're expanding their influence in France. Yes, France. If you so, were to if you were uh, to compare, let me let me just ask this question: At this moment in time, with all of the expansion of uh, Chinese influence around the world, as you've just stated, uh, including in Canada, and the fact that uh, many of America's semiconductors are 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 manufactured in Taiwan. And if we were to lose control of that, or China would, would usurp uh, the, the freedom of the Taiwanese to trade with the United States on semiconductors, um, would we say almost on day one of that conflict that the United States had lost? 
Would we be no, out? Not at all. Have we been outmaneuvered in other parts of the world? Let's 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 look at at uh, at Africa, for instance. Isn't China mm -hmm. very active in Africa? Yes, so are we. But I think we were kind of late figuring out what the challenge challenge was, and it needs to be not only a whole of government approach to confronting the Chinese uh, uh, competition. It is also involves the private sector as well. Ideas like the CHIPS Act, which has improving uh, our own ability to build microchips, that's a very good step the Biden administration did. Uh, but, you know, I've been to China. I've been to Taiwan twice. Lots of nice people over there. I don't want a war with any of them. And I think we can avoid that if we're smart. And I, I hope the Chinese are willing to show some restraint. But well, I see, think the stakes, Charles the stakes about, here go beyond. The stakes here go beyond semiconductors. The, the real... Yeah. Uh, uh, goal here is uh, that China wants to dominate the Asia Pacific and turn formally international waters into their own domestic waters. I mean, uh, it would be as if we said nobody can uh, sail a ship into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and uh, so the the issue here really has to do with Japan, South Korea, um, India, um, uh, 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 you know, Vietnam and uh, Australia. Uh, I think that uh, the implication of some of the discussion about China has been that China is on the rise. I actually think China could well be on the decline. Okay. When we come back, I want Which you. Which may make I, them I more dangerous. To, I want you to follow up on that, that. That they may be on the line. I know Rush is chomping at the bit to uh, participate as well. We've got some callers on the line. We will do that when we continue. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. We're talking about U.S. foreign policy and global issues tonight on Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. 
affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Rusumont back on Beyond the Beltway, and we continue with Rush Darwish and John Allen Williams and Charles Lipson. And Charles, before the break, you sort of whet everybody's appetite when you said you think that China uh, may be in decline. Elaborate, if you will. Well, first of all, if they're in decline, uh, that would actually may give them incentives to act quickly on any military expansion. But their uh, population is clearly in decline. Uh, all of their, uh, all of the international um, uh, chains, production chains, which included China, are now relocating because of political risk, also a bit because of economic uh, costs in China are relatively high. They've got a very authoritarian uh, government, which they've had for a long time, but it seems to be less pro-market than it was under Deng, which, uh, which is uh, something that started around 1976, 77, uh, and continued up until Xi. And and uh, you can see they have huge problems in their real estate market, and their Belt and Road Initiative appears to be, you know, essentially bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So I, I see them having a lot of problems, uh, and we shouldn't just view them as these kind of supermen who are, uh, they are our major great power challenger, to be sure, uh, and uh, they're a much stronger power than uh, Russia, but that doesn't mean that they're on the rise. So they they are just to put it, uh, see if everybody agrees with this. They are much more of a competitor than an enemy. They they are no, like, I don't. Yeah, I, I would the way I would put it is they are a combination of everything. They are sometimes our enemy because they are our competitors. And if the way United States offers, you know, United States we're sharks, we're killers when it comes to being the best and being number one. So, yes, to some degree, yeah, China is seen as the enemy. But regarding how you defeat China, you'll never defeat them when it comes to military. This is money versus money. And also it's important for us to note here, 
China has not been in a bona fide war since 1979. So this is not how China operates. The way they operate is wanting to control the economy. And yes, they have their down their downtime right now, and it's been mentioned, but America has their downtimes too. And I don't see uh, China just better than Russia or you know, kind of on the rise or kind of close to America. No way. The way I look at it, when you add everything up, China versus America, they're almost neck to neck. I mean, maybe not military-wise, but, but China is there. They are a bona fide superpower, and we cannot take them lightly. Does everybody agree with that? John, do you agree with I that? I think they're a well, bona fide, they're a bona fide superpower, but I don't think they're neck and neck with the United States. No, I think they're not yet. They're not yet up to the United States, but they could be the way they're going. But look, if we decide to get into an even a naval war with China, are we prepared to lose an aircraft carrier? What are going to be the response of the American people if USS something aircraft carrier goes to the bottom of the ocean? And it could happen. With a lot of people on board. You bet. I mean, it's Pearl Harbor. What, what about, what hmm. about, what about the, the military? Who, who is superior in a military way? The United States? Well, it depends where. Okay, where? elaborate. Charles. I mean, uh, Bruce. If you mean near China, they are. They, they are at the moment. In right. fact, I don't have any classified access anymore. Uh, but uh, the rumors and reports you get are that we are very concerned because in all the war games that we are playing, we, we are not able to save Taiwan. Now, can that change? Right. I think it can. But we need to focus on building the kind of capabilities we need and showing resolve to use them. But Charles is correct on this as well. The key thing is deterrence. The, the best possible, you know, what do they say? The supreme art of war is to, is to defeat the enemy without fighting. We need to what, do that. Where, where does uh, South Korea, Japan, and India, where do they fit in? India is now the largest country in the world. Where do they fit into this uh, game of, of geographic uh, dominoes here? Charles? I'll let Charles take that one here. India has played a kind of ambivalent role. It was actually quite close many years ago to the Soviet Union. Uh, that's no longer true. When you hear the United States talk about the Indo-Pacific region, that's because they're trying to include India in uh, this strategic alliance. But remember, India is the largest purchaser, maybe aside from China, of Russian oil funding, in effect, the war in Ukraine. So mm -hmm. India is a poor country um, without a really strong international military. Um, so I, I see them as being a less important player in many ways than Japan and South Korea, both of whom uh, are, Japan is finally rearming. I think they see a real danger from China. Uh, South Korea is actually assisting in the war in Ukraine and has a formidable uh, mm -hmm. Military. If those, if those yeah. countries, though, if uh, if those three countries, uh, India, as you say, not a large military presence, but uh, but China and South Korea, if if they were to come to the defense of Taiwan with the assistance of the United States, would it make the battle over Taiwan winnable for the Taiwanese? Or is that just well, isn't going to happen? 
Well, it may not happen. Uh, of course, the, you realize that for historical reasons, going back to World War II, the South Korea and Japan just don't get along. Right. And uh, they are finally making, getting, uh, making amends a little bit. But South Korea, I don't believe, has any capabilities that would be useful down in, uh, in, tai- in Taiwan in the short run, because this is going to be over in a matter of weeks. Not not months is when they decide to do it. Well, the we question heard, for we heard that is, about we heard that about Ukraine too, Professor. <laughs> well, you know, I probably and I, in fact, I thought it was going to take four days, and that Zelensky was going to be lucky to get on an airplane and yeah. get on Dodge. Uh, so I mean, I've been wrong a lot. Uh, but the other thing is Japan. Japan's contribution is letting us fight Taiwan from Okinawa, which is where we have like fifty thousand troops and other kinds of. Uh, uh, assets there. Mm-hmm. Whether Japan would actually become engaged or not uh, is is an open question, and we don't really know yet. Do you? So let, the two Go points ahead, here. Two point. Uh, one is, I want to underscore John's earlier point, which we've heard uh, a fair amount about, which is that all the war games that the Pentagon has run shows that uh, that. Uh, America loses and Taiwan loses. I mean, Russia is absolutely right. Everybody loses, but we lose the most. Uh, Second point is that Joe Biden has had a reduction in our uh, defense budget in real terms at a time when we're fighting uh, a a war effectively in Ukraine and facing a a major uh, threat in uh, the Pacific. I I just think that... uh, this is a very dangerous situation. The The final point is we've talked about this all in a kind of rational terms, but there's always the possibility of an accident uh, of uh, uh, the Chinese have been uh, putting planes up. Russians have been doing it, too, uh, where you you have uh, by accident um, a, a conflict between the two, and that will require considerable uh, considerable finesse to get out of. Russia. There, there's two ways you, you handle this scenario. First of all, it's scary. Anything that deals with war, especially with China, terrifies me, and the American people should be terrified as well. There's what I call two Ds when it comes to dealing with the situation on foreign policy. Diplomacy or defense? You've got to go diplomacy. Defense is not an option. Everyone loses United States number one. Way too what about much to the lose. third D? What's what the about thir- the third D, which is de- deterrence? You could add the third D as well. But, but I will say that at the end of the day, military war is not the option when it comes to China and the United States. It's just simply not an option. Crazy things happen in our world. I get it. But not when it comes to this one. Well, you know, there's this old phrase, which really does make sense. Si fish patrum parabella. If you wish peace, prepare for war. And we need to be prepared to do things the Chinese wouldn't like if they do things we don't like. Because in the final analysis, China is going to make its decision based on what they want so, and how they see the, so, the pluses and minuses of doing something. So you would say, you're, you're saying that a, a war between the United States and China, that it might happen, and that's something... And just throwing it out there, it's something you would support. Would you support a war as such? Well, what What do you mean by that? I'm well, prepared. To, I am prepared. To, I'm prepared to use. I spent 30 years in the Navy. I'm comfortable with the thought of using violence if necessary, uh, but as the as the last resort. I hope we're it's not, not the last resort. War. 
this is the whole premise of all of this planning is that China uh, launches uh, an unprovoked attack on Taiwan, and that does pose very hard questions. You are right, Rush. Yes, right. We're not launching an unprovoked war. Do you think that there there is a there is there there will be popular support for that move though? That's my question. Is I mean, how many Americans uh, wake up every night worrying about uh, Taiwan? I don't think many. You say no. that se well, semiconductors right. are the problem, don't. but they they don't. You know, how does that relate? Do can that relate to them in the day they the day they, uh, what they you know go to sleep thinking about everything? No, they don't. But I'll tell you what: if microchips don't come from China to America, and and there's less uh, shipments coming in, yeah. when, my, when my Amazon orders that I get from China don't come in, that's when American opinion starts to change. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll be back, 1-800-723-8289. Remember, you want to get that Amazon delivery. You don't want to miss that. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Another half hour to go talking about international relations. We've got some callers on the line. We will bring them into our conversation when we roll on from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Rush Darwish, Democrat uh, businessman in studio with me here in uh, Elk Grove Village. Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago. He's a uh, political science professor emeritus. The pride of Marks, Mississippi, joins us, and also John Allen Williams, who joins us from Macon, Georgia, longtime professor at Loyola University, and he has a new book in its sixth edition called U.S. National Security, Policymakers, Processes, and Politics. And again, that's the book, sixth edition, and uh, it's out now. If you're interested in getting it, I'm sure that you can find it uh, on Amazon and probably just about any you just type it in. That's all you got to do these days. Yeah, just, just just type, type something in, in and they'll tell you where to go. It's amazing. Type in John Allen Williams and <laughs> John make Allen. sure you get the sixth edition. Right. Get the sixth edition. Yeah, you don't you don't want the you don't want the fourth edition when it talks Ooh. about uh, this wacko uh, guy from New York that is never going to be elected president. What I didn't well, make what, any what predictions. The election, By the way, he's not yeah, Go ahead. Well, I don't think either uh, Trump or uh, Biden, by the way, is going to be the final candidate, particularly not Trump. I think he's going to he's going to collapse of his own problems. And uh, I don't know whether he drops out early or not, but he's going to be spending a lot of time in a courtroom <laughs> next spring in New York when you might like to be campaigning. And I think as he becomes weaker, the other people besides Chris Christie will be emboldened to uh, maybe be a little bit more direct about how they feel about uh, about Donald Trump. And so Donald give Trump me a, is give not me a, or give me a, give, give me a name. You've said you don't you don't believe that Biden or Trump are going to be the nominees of their parties. I'm less sure about Biden, but Biden is running, I think, because he wants to stop Trump and he thinks he's the only person that can do it. I think it may be right. But I think if if uh, if Trump were out of the picture, I think Biden might might also be willing to let some other Democrat take the take the. Uh, take are the you worried? Are you as a Democrat, Rush? Are you worried about Donald Trump, or are you one of those Democrats that's cheering, hopefully, uh, hoping that he gets the nomination because you think he can be beaten? I absolutely want, and by the way, I want Donald Trump. I dream about Donald Trump becoming the Republican nomination because he's deeply flawed. Uh, court cases all over the place. Uh, I really, and, and by the way, and this is the truth, I think for President Biden, because of his health, he can have around the same playbook as he had during COVID-19, and that is watch Donald Trump implode. And I'm not saying he can stay in his basement the whole time, but he would not have to run a volume-based campaign with Donald Trump as a nominee. 
And that's a good thing for Biden because our president, God bless him, the economy's looking better. There's a lot of pluses heading into uh, you know his reelection. But I think right now we have to acknowledge that his health is a concern. And I think the more he's on the campaign trail, the more he may expose some of his health situations. Charles, where do you come down on the uh, likelihood of a, of a repeat of Biden-Trump in 2024? I honestly don't know whether uh, who the Republican or Democratic nominee will be. I can tell Nobody you, plus, <laughs> there, is, there is some social science to say that people who are purported experts uh, don't can't forecast any better than well-informed people who are listening uh, uh, to this program. But right. let me let me say this about I agree Biden. With that. Uh, sure. I think using right. the word health is, is kind of a euphemism. The the problem with Biden is not that he walks slowly. The problem is that his cognitive health True. Uh, is is uh, obviously a problem and not getting better. It's getting worse, and I think that that's becoming uh, obvious. I would say a second thing, and it relates back to everything we've been talking about for the past uh, uh, two hours, which is Biden is unable to make a speech that rallies U.S. support for any of his policies, including foreign policy. There are people who support his a policy on uh, affirmative action or on uh, um, student loans. loans or whatever it is. But it's not because Joe Biden goes on television and makes a speech that says he can rally people. Trump can do that. The problem Trump has is that he rallies more people against him than for him. All the people who are against him, however, vote in the general election, and all the people who are for him vote in the Republican primary. So let's explore just for a little bit the idea that President Biden says, I'm going to step down. First, I think we could unanimously agree, or maybe maybe it's open for discussion, Bruce, that the idea that to name Kamala Harris vice president because she would be the successor, it appears that that is long gone. Now we look at two other individuals that have been named as a potential replacement. First, let's keep it close to home, and that's Governor Pritzker. It appears that he's on that short list, and also the California governor, Gavin Newsom. So now the question is, let's just play fantasy politics and say President Biden decides to step down at some point during the campaign. Who becomes the guy or the gal? What are your thoughts? I think this is really fascinating. Who would, historic and fascinating, who would actually be able to hold up the Democratic Party? Well, it depends, I think, uh, the timing on when it would happen. Uh, Obviously, the convention, the Democratic convention, is going to be in Chicago. So Governor Pritzker will have a lot of input into what's going into that convention and making life easy for uh, the, the delegates. And so he, he's in a position to make himself very popular and he has the ability uh, to, to raise a lot of money by just going to his own you know, family paycheck or a uh, you know, checkbook. Um, however, I do believe that there would be a big move to get Gavin Newsom, who I think is a more uh, viable winnable candidate uh, than Governor Pritzker against a Republican. The big question is, who is going to be the Republican nominee? If it's Donald Trump and this were to happen, I would give the edge to Donald Trump. How about DeSantis? 
what, what one problem? Uh, I'm that, not sure. Go ahead, Charles. I want to have you weigh in on uh, these possibilities. One, one problem well. that the Democrats have is uh, what happens to the? They need a very strong uh, turnout from the African American yes. community and a near unanimous vote. And if Kamala Harris wants to put herself forward and is pushed aside, they'll say she was pushed to the back of the bus. And so there's a very interesting uh, mm -hmm. uh, set of, and there's no obvious substitute for her as a, as a vice president uh, among sort of prominent black uh, uh, elected office holders uh, in, as far as I see it. The, uh, uh, Newsom has another problem. California is a disaster and it's, it's, principal uh and and san francisco which he was once the mayor of i mean that's a particular disaster so uh, uh the republicans will say do you want to turn america into uh california once that would have been a very positive message now it's not that's great that's well said john allen williams your 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 take on you said that you don't think it's going to be trump you don't think it's going to be biden uh, who was it going to be? Give, give us. You mentioned Chris Christie. Do you really believe that he he could emerge as the Republican nominee? Uh, no, uh, Christie okay. has a lot of baggage, but but he's pretty good at knocking off others. Like he he just yes. took uh, Mario Rubio right off the table, and uh, he he's he's make, <laughs> the only one that makes any sense right now of all these Republicans on Trump and the and the election lie. Uh, is Chris Christie, and he is putting the wood to it. Now, I, I haven't had a strong opinion about Governor Pritzker. I've been gone for a while. I think he's, I, I guess he's been an effective governor. Uh, Newsom, New, New, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom has probably been a good, a decent uh, governor of California, but California has all the problems that Charles has mentioned and, and some others as well. On the other hand, Newsom is able to do what Christie did, and he did it to Sean Hannity on his own program. He just handed him his handbag right there uh, and is able to, to handle himself politically. And he's also running a shadow campaign right now. So I would say he's probably a front runner. Who it should be, I, I don't know. Well, by the way, we should mention, I, you, you would acknowledge, though, that your description of, uh, of Governor Newsom handing it to Sean Hannity on his own program that is your opinion, and there's probably an equal number, if not more, who disagree and think that Sean Hannity gave it uh, to Governor Christie. And I, and I, not, not Governor yeah, Newsom, rather. I'll tell you, Bruce, I watched the interview, and I don't like to come in here and just be this pro Dem guy no matter no, what. No, that's one, I, one of the reasons I, I like know, it. I, I watched the interview, and I will tell you, uh, at the end of the day, it really felt that Gavin Newsom's stock went way up after that interview. Whether, whether we felt he handed Sean Hannity anything, but his stock went up, and he did come across pretty presidential. He knew the policies, um, and I hate to say this, he, he, he came across as the polar opposite of President Biden, a complete, almost like, wow, in terms of like a picture-perfect candidate, um, forget about California, but in terms of the candidate, he looks uh, like the guy. I would, I would agree that the appearance on that program uh, was a big plus for him. Uh, he surprised a lot of people by going there. Uh, he certainly could hold his own with, with Sean Hannity. I don't know whether anybody wiped the, the floor with no. the other. But, again, the fact that he was there, he was engaging, 
Uh, we know that he has political skills and he has a lot of political liabilities coming from uh, California. But again, uh, that would be quite a quite a race. And I want to I want to come back and see if we could get uh, Charles uh, and uh, uh, John to talk a little bit more about who the Republican might be, because I don't believe that you really think it's going to be Chris Christie. But that's what you said. Back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you, and what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest, no kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
The political group No Labels is going to have a uh, press conference uh, tomorrow in New Hampshire, and they're going to offer their plans for the possibility of having a third option, a major third-party option uh, for the presidency in 2024. And again, uh, the, the the rumors and those that are going to be participating uh, include the senior senator from West Virginia, uh, uh, Manchin, and also John Huntsman, the former governor of Utah, a Republican, who's also been appointed by Democrats and by Donald Trump to ambassadorships. So my question to you, I'm going to start with uh, you, Charles. Um, how viable could a third-party effort be in 2024? Joe Manchin the and usual, The usual question about a third party, and it was really clear under Ross Perot, is who does he or she take the most votes away from? And in Ross Perot's uh, case, it looked like he helped get Bill Clinton elected president but the uh i think this time uh if it turns out to be trump versus biden there are so many people who are disaffected with both candidates that there is a chance that uh that that uh these candidates could win in one or two states and you see how close many of these states have been they could also uh, change the margin depending upon who they take the most votes away from. I would just also say that I've been really surprised both at um, uh, the Florida Governor DeSantis's inability to sort of uh, catch fire and at a race that I think he has run on the wrong platform. He's run it mostly on social issues. I think his best foot forward is that he has a rapidly growing state and he has managed to execute policies. Trump advocated a lot of policies and he couldn't execute them. Uh, I would say if I were uh, DeSantis, I would say conservative policies, well executed and growth. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's not been the way he's run his candidacy. Let me go to, to Rush. What about the uh, the No Labels Party with Joe Manchin as a potential Democratic uh, leader of that effort? Yeah, with Joe, Republican John Huntsman. Joe Manchin has zero chance to win. But I will say this: the United States and the voters, by and large, as days go by, they are starting to get tired. A lot of the what I call casual voter—that's really not a Republican, really not a Democrat. Mm -hmm. They are starting to get sick of both parties and the political BS that they have lived their entire life. So a, a, a new organization that's like no labels, that's starting to catch steam in terms of name ID, uh, if, if, if it's Joe Manchin or if it's a Republican that comes out, uh, they're mentioning also Larry Hogan as somebody that might be part of that ticket as well on the Republican side. Right. I will say this, if, if it's a Republican that comes out of no labels, the other Republican, the, the, the excuse me, some of it's a Republican background under no labels. Yep. The Republican nominee is screwed. Like, and, and, and same thing goes for Manchin. If he becomes a Democrat who's now with low, no labels, whoever that Democratic nominee, even if it's Biden, they are completely toast because I will say this. None of those no labels candidates have a chance to win. But this will be the election where they will have serious impact and a lot of attention will be given to them. You will see a lot more votes because people are getting really tired of both parties. John, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I, I do. And I agree with Charles as well. 
uh, there is no chance that a third party is going to win uh, the election, the Electoral College, the way it's set up. It just isn't going to happen. Uh, but they could, as Charles pointed out, uh, either uh, uh, swing the election one way or the other by who they take their votes away from. Or it's another possibility is they could prevent there being a majority in the Electoral College, in which case right. the president will be decided in the, in the, in the state in the Congress, with each state casting one vote. Right. And I believe the Republicans have a one-state advantage on there. I defer to Charles right. and Rush on that. But uh, that's, I a, think that's I, really kind I think, of a wild I think that, that, is, that is a possibility that has not been discussed yet, because I don't think that uh, many people are going to say that a, uh, a no-labels uh, party uh, would actually win any state but they could be in the they, actually they, they I think they could be in the position to maybe win one state, uh, but we'll we'll see. But but Joe Manchin, um, he is a centrist to most people. He is the person that has been described as the person that has kept Biden from going way left. So my question is, That's how true. many people in the Democratic Party like someone who's done that? Wouldn't they say the yeah. same thing about uh, Kristen Cinema, Senator yeah. Cinema? Yeah, Joe mentioned yeah. that there really are, even though, as mentioned, you know, polls that indicate Republicans yeah. and Democrats are by, not, they're not even close. They are the power base. But a Joe Manchin can come in there and really cause some havoc for a, a Democratic candidate. I mean, he, he's centrist, but he still identifies as somebody that'll hurt the Democratic Party because that's what he is right now. Is this, is the No Labels Party, though? Charles, is it really nothing more than a bunch of very wealthy, uh, never Trumpers who are getting together to find some way to block Donald Trump from being reelected, and 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 everyone will be able to see th through that because it will it will be very transparent. That's where the money well, the comes from. Well, the problem is that the problem is that Trump well, and his supporters have fatally damaged the Republican Party. And it's uh, you know, right. very difficult to understand where things are going to go. If they, I think possible Tim Scott might have a chance, by the way, to be. We, we just don't know. We don't know how the public perceives no labels because it, it's just not prominent enough yet. I think somebody like Nikki Haley could actually, or Tim Scott could actually win the presidency, Maybe. but I don't know if they could get the nomination. Right. Yeah, well, that's that that that's going to be the great challenge, and I think I would challenge you, uh, uh, John, is that I I wouldn't be as dismissive of of, of Donald Trump as uh, you have a couple of times tonight. So he's got a lot of fans out there. He's got a big lead in the Republican. Don't primary. forget Michelle Obama, by the way, is somebody that might be a sleeper that'll enter the race if somehow Joe Biden doesn't oh, get in. Oh boy, that's that's boy. that's a fantasy. I wouldn't wish it that's, on her. That's a that's a fantasy. A but again, shock Valley is important for this show. It's it's a it's a good way to leave. The, it's a, yes, it's a good way to leave our program this evening. Rush Darwish, thanks for joining us in studio. John Allen Williams, author of the book U.S. National Security, joins us from Macon, Georgia, and Charles Liston from the University of Chicago. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks to Fritz Goldman for his assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. 
Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how, and we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. You can do 